Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Chargers podcast. Uh, we're back for another week of our perfect offense and defense series, this time flipping over to the defense after what was one of our best pods ever, I would say, last week. We, really, we both really enjoyed this one, didn't we, doing the perfect offense? Hopefully the same yeah. for this, this uh, week. Yeah, it was really, really good fun last week. Obviously, we put it together the year before, but I think now we've become established pros at it. So, uh, we'll be uh, getting in line for a GM job very soon if we carry on this on this form. I mean, so, is, is the Texans' job still open? Because I, I think, think we, we could do a decent job of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We could probably, if we can talk to Sean Watson around, maybe it's worth taking, but otherwise it'd be a a multi-year job to say yeah, the least cool. <laughs> um but yeah we were just discussing before we hand uh we've got pretty similar thoughts on the offense and last week uh we didn't cross over too much but we had pretty similar style of methods of thinking and things like that sounds like it's going to be a different one this week it sounds like we've gone some different ways around this problem yeah i mean obviously with the defense changing in theory under staley um, from what we've known as a 4-3 to a 3-4, it's kind of made it a bit more interesting. So you've got, also think there's, with offence, there is obviously the glaring hole of the offensive line. That's me. <laughs> Whereas on D, there is holes, but there is loads of little holes everywhere. Like if you if you kind of take edge, for example, then you're kind of neglecting corner, D-line. And then if you go corner, you're, you're neglecting edge. So you've got to kind of get this, nice balance between what you're going to go after and then look at other places as well. So obviously we doubled down a lot in like get I, I in the offense one, I took three offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's not the case now. I haven't, I can't like on with on defense. I, I've tried to try to get a nice uh, mixed bunch as we say for, for these um, picks. So it's, it's, it was a lot harder to try and put it together and there will be, there's a lot more, places where we can definitely say, oh, we're, de- we're going to go here in free agency or we're going to go there in the draft. There's a lot more variety for me and you to go for, I think. Yeah, definitely a lot, a lot more variables. Away from variables, just kind of laying out the rules, what we kind of stuck to. Um, we stuck with a $25 million budget, although it's probably going to be more than that. And obviously this cap floor got raised today on when we record on Thursday to $180 million. So the charges will have more than what we're saying. But we just thought $25 million was a nice round figure to kind of work with for one side of the ball. Yeah. Um, we wanted to leave a budget of around six million just to sign our draft picks, uh, reading sign internal free agents. We gave ourselves a couple of free agency spots that could be added to. We had to say that we could cut or trade one player and we need to add four draft picks to represent the first three rounds of the draft, uh, considering that the Chargers are going to have a third round compensatory pick for Philip Rivers, who left obviously before this past season. So where should we start? Should we start with internal free agents? Things uh, we started yeah. last week, wasn't it? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so just to read off uh, the list of uh, defensive free agents that the Chargers have potentially lost um, for this coming season. Uh, Melvin Ingram, Denzel Perriman, Michael Davis, uh, Nick Vigil, Damian Square, Julie Ladar, Jalen Watkins, Isaac Rochelle, Rayshon Jenkins, Malik Jefferson, Tivon Campbell, uh, Joe Graciano, and finally, Brandon Faison. So I'll flip it over to you. By the sounds of things, going off what we were talking about just before we started recording, it doesn't sound that you've kept a lot of these guys around. Uh, no, it, I haven't, if I'm honest. Uh, so obviously we know the situation with Melvin Ingram. I personally think that he won't be re-signed. I think that there's a, I think there's a very good chance he might even go to Detroit. I think him and Lynn built up a good relationship and there could be, and there's a space there for an edge rusher. So I think Melvin Ingram could find his way. I think he's going to get paid more than we can give him. And I think that the kind of now it's, 
for the last couple of years with his injuries problems and etc and us obviously guaranteeing him certain money franchise tagging him so we've done we, we've given him all we can give him I think and I think the end is is nigh now so I think that it that Melvin Ingram's time's gone um the kind of the same for Perryman I think the restructure last year only happened because they were worried about the depth obviously Thomas Davis left last year they didn't want to make too many changes at linebacker so they kept Perryman in the building but now obviously with Tranquil and obviously getting um Murray last year I think that Perryman's time's come I think that he'll get a contract more than we can give him as well. So them two are the, probably the big the big guys in the edge and the, the linebacker positions. And then obviously you've got Rashawn Jenkins at safety, which is probably the big guy, and um, Michael Davis. So I haven't kept anybody bar one of them. Um, the one guy I've kept is Michael Davis. I didn't think I'd say that last year. <laughs> yeah, me neither. And I've kept him as well. I've also, just to kind of, just before I pass it over to you, out of those three, four guys that you mentioned, I've also just kept Michael Davis. And I'd agree with your uh, analysis there about the other two, especially at the top. Yeah. So basically just with Michael Davis, I just thought that he's he was he was really good last year. He come on leaps and bounds. I think that I want to try and keep that trajectory going. He seems like he's got a good relationship in the building now. He's got, an, he's got a good foothold in that secondary. Um, and I think that just getting his length... Um, and his speed, um, I think, is just something the Chargers miss with only having Hayward and Harris on the roster. So I kept um, I kept Davis and I signed him to a three-year, twenty million with six this year. I think you can get. I think, like I said, I mentioned it on the last pod. I think that it sounds not a lot of money for a corner, but I think mm. that this year, I think that you're going to see a lot of one-year rentals and a lot of um, small contracts with just uh, like fully guaranteed money. I think that that's going to be, uh, that's going to be a lot involved this year, just because of how I know the cap is higher than we thought, but there is loads of loads of players getting cut because there's teams that were expecting to be in that 210 range, which is what they forecast it for before this year. So everyone was thinking there was going to go from 195 to 210 you, you, and now it's gone back down to sort of going to be roughly about 185, we we hope, we think. So th- there's, there's nearly like a 25 million discrepancy for these teams. So a lot of these teams that were built, if you go on over the cap and look at a few, you'll see it, probably half the NFL franchises are over the cap and quite a few of them over by quite a bit. So they've looked at thinking that they're going to, they've signed all these players last year, expecting the cap to go up to 210. So they're in a situation now where, there's going to be a lot of people on the market that weren't on the market before already. You're seeing JJ Watt get cut, Von Miller getting cut, AJ Boyer getting cut. There's going to be a lot of players getting cut and there's only enough money to go around. So I think players, unfortunately, are just going to have to take what they can take this year. Um, and there'll be a lot of one-year deals or fully guaranteed deals on a longer term for not a lot of money. So I think that you're going to get a few bargains. I mean, we saw it last year. We were expecting Harris to get 11 million. He come over and he was on six last year for us. So, we can do it. Telesco can do it. And I think that this year predominantly as well with how the salary cap's going to work, I think you will get a few people coming in on less money than you, than maybe they deserve or that you think they will get signed for. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. I think your analysis is really, really strong. Um, obviously you're the cap expert out of the two of us for sure. Um, I just, I mean, I have given Michael Davis 
I consider that more than what you've given him. But I can see why you would go a bit lower because Tom, uh, Thomas, Tom Tesco giving him his Sunday name. Tom Tesco isn't going to want to overpay when he doesn't have to. But on the flip side, there is also the fact that Tom Tesco does actually like to look after his own, like to look after the people that we've developed as a franchise. So I went a bit bigger and a bit longer as well. So I went four years, 36, okay. which kind of puts him in. What I was looking at was I was looking at the um, kind of the, the top cornerbacks and a lot of them are on mega money as top cornerbacks are because obviously it's a really, really, really important position. But giving him an average of about nine million a year puts him in the top 15, top 20, which is, uh, you know, around a tier two slash three corner, yeah. which is probably what Michael Davis is being honest, you know, he's going to go into the season probably as the cornerback number one for the Chargers, whether they keep Case Hayward or not, because Casey's on the downslope, you know, maybe we're drafting someone at some point, you know, he's going to be the guy, it's kind of the passing the torch kind of time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I think you give him that money to keep him around. I mean, I know we'll come on to cuts later on, but he's going to be my cornerback one, kind of a bit of a spoiler alert for that one. Um, so yeah, Michael Davis was my kind of big free agency kind of keep like I said, didn't keep Rayshon Jenkins around. Um, just kind of one, you kind of sound out Melvin Ingram to Detroit, which is you know, a really nice fit. Rayshon Jenkins, I think he ends up in Las Vegas. I think he goes and joins uh, Gus Bradley. Yeah. Gus Bradley was the guy who pounded the table for Rayshon Jenkins when, um, when in the draft, when he was coming out of Miami. And yeah. Gus Bradley is the reason why he became a charger because he, you know, got like his pick yeah. on day three and Jenkins was his guy. Yeah. He's another one where you, you kind of fall into that bracket of, you know, can we keep him around because, you know, he's going to want a fair bit of money because he's been a reasonable start in safety mm-hmm. and he's got that versatility. Um, I don't know if the Chargers will want to pay him as what, what he'll want. I don't think he'll deserve what he gets either. I've, I've kind of not been a, it's not been a secret. That I've not been a huge fan of his over the past yeah. few years uh, for some certain things. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy to let him go. I'm quite happy to let him kind of, even if he goes and stays in the division, like we know his weaknesses, we know where to attack him. So happy for him to do that. And we also know how to attack Gus Bradley's defense overall. Yeah. Um, whether he does on that, no, it's a different story. But no, I'm not keeping Rayshon Jenkins around. And Michael Davis, like you say, is my uh, sort of big ticket internal yeah. free agent that I'm keeping around. Is he the yeah. only one that you kept out of all this list? Or have you kept a couple of guys? No, he's the only one I kept on the list. I, I toyed with keeping Isaac Rochelle, but again, I think you'll get him through the door on a minimum contract. So in theory, yeah, I, I'll say that we'll keep Isaac Rochelle. I think that they'll get a deal done for him maybe as a, maybe in sort of like a depth piece, if, if anything, but there's not really anybody else on the list that I was like, yeah, I think we can take. I think that, or keep, sorry. I think that, Staley will want to maybe bring a couple of his own guys in and get sort of a feel for the roster. And obviously with all these staff changes, I don't know if there's going to be any real clicks for players that aren't the big guys to stay on board. So personally, I don't think many of these free agents are going to be kept around these depth guys. I think that they're going to want to bring other depth pieces across from where say like, obviously we've got Jay Rogers from Chicago. We've got Bernardo Hill from Denver. I think that there's going to be players from them teams that have that have built relationships with Ronaldo Hill and that that will come over as depth pieces, and you'll see a couple of added free agents um, in that way on minimum contracts that you don't really know. They're probably rotational guys, special teams guys, but they're they're going to be the guys that bulk up the rest of the roster. And I think there's going to be a few unknowns in that in that spiel, really. 
Yeah, that's a fair analysis. Um, this is where we've gone slightly different ways about it because as much as uh, we've got a fair few free agents, obviously, that I read out earlier, um, I don't feel like you can clean house. I mean, we clean house with the coaches. I don't think you can clean house with a, almost your whole depth of your roster. Um, so obviously I can see where, where you've gone about it about that. And I don't disagree that, you know, if some guys are then pounding, you know, these positional coaches are pounding the table for their guys, as I've similarly just said about Gus Bradley, then, yeah, you know, if they're going to be cheap acquisitions to fill out and you know that they can fulfil the roles that we weren't going to have on this defence, like you said before, it's going to be a new defence, then, yeah, fair enough. Um, but I've kept a few more around, but mainly, well, it is all for depth. Uh, I've kept Nick Vigil around, Damien Square, Jalen Watkins, all on one-year deals, pretty minimum term deals. Uh, I think the most I've paid is $1.5 million for Damien Square. Yep. But after that, it's like one and a half again, seven hundred and fifty grand for Jalen Watkins. <laughs> And it's just about special teams, rotational guys, and a bit of depth. Yeah. I gave Trevon Campbell a two-year deal at two and a half mil. Again, kind of a back end of the depth chart kind of corner. Probably wanting to guard against, can I not back myself into a corner when I get around to the draft and you know have to take a corner early? Things like that. Mm-hmm. And he's probably going to be, let me just go down to my roster where I've created on my notes. He becomes my fifth corner. You know, and you're keeping him around because he's kind of developed in the charges for the last few, few years. Obviously, he's an undrafted free agent, so I couldn't really offer him uh, a tender of any description because he's an exclusive rights free agent. Yep. It's too much. So I kind of gave him a little bit more than what he would get, but less than what that tender will be. And then obviously you just lock him up. You don't run that risk of of uh, losing him to someone yep. putting him a bid because obviously there's no, uh, there's no compensation for the charges if that happens. Yeah. I did give Isaac Rochelle a, a bit of a bigger deal, though. I quite like his fit in this defense because I feel like he can become a defensive lineman, like a down lineman, yeah, uh, as like a five tech. So, and he got, I feel like he's also got the size and the girth to kind of kick inside if they're kind of making a more narrow alignment, uh, you know, in a sub package of some description. Yeah. So I do feel like he's got that versatility. So I gave him a three-year, six million dollar deal. Okay. Which. You know, he's, he's way more than he's been on recently, but, you know, he's a guy that's developed... His stats, actually, for these uh, amount of snaps that he's got aren't too bad, and he always has a knack of coming up with a bit of a big play. Yeah. He's got, you know, a few big sacks in his time. He's got an interception or two. He's got safety. I was, it was his year. I can't remember what game it was. But he always seems to come up with a bit of a big play when you want it. And, you know, he can rotate, like I say, covering a couple of positions on this in this defensive line or coming off the edges as a bit of a linebacker. You know, maybe not doing that full-time. I see him as a bit more of a down lineman in this new scheme. So, yeah, I'm going to reward him, keep him around. And um, I don't want it to be, like I say, I don't want it to be kind of a cleaned house and bringing in uh, 23 agents to kind of fill out the roster. So I've just brought those guys back. Uh, all the guys that I've not mentioned are, are, are gone for me. And that's, like I say, a bit of the big names that we mentioned at the beginning and then obviously a few of the, the depth guys as well because as much as we've kind of done this and we've we've kind of gone through this in quite a rigorous way covering all the angles, obviously we're only drafting three rounds Obviously, we've got the rest of the draft and we do have other minor free agents, but, you know, it doesn't make a fun podcast to talk about guys that you're picking up for like half a mil, does it really? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, there, there will be a couple of, I mean, I'll, I'll be shocked if there is one or two of the free agents that are brought back. Like last year, we we kind of cleaned house. You said, oh, Te- Tevi might go and this player might go and um, Trent, we had Trent Scott and there was we, mm. there was quite a lot. We had Perryman gone, Davis gone. There was loads of people that we had gone in, uh, in the one we did in uh, and, uh, 2020, obviously yeah. it's 2021 now. So yeah, we did that one. Um, and obviously this year, obviously what 
with obviously with everything that's going on with the salary cap, you will you will find that a lot of like you've like you've mentioned on yours that there will be some sort of continuity that, that Telesco likes to keep, and we will see these guys go back. I just think that it might be they'll be added after the draft. So again, what Telesco does, he kind of he kind of sieves everything out, waits for the right time to get these players back in. He won't mind if some of them go. If they're getting overpaid, then he'll just let them go. But if them guys are still hovering around and they've been in in and around the franchise for a couple of years, practice squads and, and in and out of the active roster a couple of times as well, then he'll bring them guys back to help fill the depth, help bring in, help bring on the rookies and 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 et cetera like that. So there will be players that from this free agency class that will get added. I just thought that there wasn't real much need for them to be added at the moment. Right now. Yeah. Okay. I'll see it. Yeah, it's fine. I and I'll that. come back to Davis as well. Just the, the reason I think it's three years, 20 million, six. I think that, again, I think that he is, he's a very good corner, but I still think that there is there. I think, I mean, his age is a good age, but I think that with Hayward there, um, and Harris there. And I think that what also I've added, what I've added um, with in, within the draft, I think that the contract for Davis is going to be sort of six, seven tops. I think that you, you can get him in the building for that. I think that he'll want to re-sign for that as well, because I think that, like you said, some of these, some of these contracts for these corners and, and other free agents aren't going to be as high as people are expecting. Mm. Yeah, no, I think you make, I think you make a good point. Um, moving on then into our cuts, just kind of free up some cap. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm kind of going to go first here. I mentioned, kind of let the cat out of the bag a bit early, but I'm going to cut Case Hayward. I'm going to save a good chunk of money, you know, getting on towards $8 million. Uh, this is just to give me uh, the room to uh, sign my free agent that I've brought him. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that, you know, I've seen in recent times that Daniel Popper obviously covers the charges for the Athletic. He said that he still thinks Casey's got it. He thinks he was hampered by injury quite a lot over the past year or so, and that's why he's had you know another down year. But that is a second down year in two last two years. You know, before that, he's been an absolute fantastic servant for the franchise, and you know, one of Telesco's absolute big wins in free agency. But you know, he's over thirty now. Athleticism has never been his strong suit, and it's only going to get worse. You know, we're talking about keeping Michael Davis around because he's got that length and athleticism. You know, you're going to look after uh, wide receivers such as Tyreek Hill. Uh, you've also got, you know, KJ Hamlin, our Ruggs, these top-end speed guys. And these franchises that we're playing against twice a year, they're only going to add another speed guy, you know, Miko Hardman, people like that. And then also you need that diversity to look after big, tall receivers like uh, Colin Sutton. Yep. So you need length, you need athleticism case Hayward doesn't fit either of those brackets so I'm going to let him go and yeah. you know saying thank you for your service over the past few years but then just come it's a business decision you know and we'll, we'll see you on the other side yeah I think like you said with them we've we talked about it when you see big money 11s 12s 10s 15s on a player that's not really doing it and there's not a lot of dead cap there's always big question marks about and we said it about Trey Turner last week mm. And there's three on this offense, um, on this defense this year. You've got Casey, you've got Chris Harris, and you've got Linval Joseph. Obviously, two guys that come in from last year. There's still some dead cap with them, other guys. And I think that is 
there's still potential for them to stay on the roster, but there's also still question marks that they could get cut. You don't quite know, obviously, with all the changes that are going on at the Chargers at the moment, you're not too sure if that them players that are on 11 million, I think they're all on 11 million plus. Mm. I mean, if you cut all of them, I think you're, you're going to be set. You save like 25 million. And are they, are they huge, huge losses? Potentially, if you don't, if you can't acquire guys in free agency or in the draft. But as I mentioned just a minute ago, that there is going to be players that are going to be signed on smaller deals than everyone's going to expect. I promise this is going to happen. I think that you're going to see loads of one-year deals. And I think that these guys will might even be able to take restructured deals. They might get more money. Like we do see it a lot. There's a lot of restructuring deals going on just to make some spare cap. And I think that they will go to probably not Joseph. I think he had a good year this year, but 11 yeah. million from the D tackle is, is a lot of money. So potential for a restructure or a cut, but I've gone for Casey. I've gone to Casey as well. I think that after last year wasn't quite working, but I think I'm not going to cut him, but I've just said to him, oh, when you want to restructure your deal to make room, um, we're going to give you a little bit more money. We're going to give him 13 million instead of 11, but it's going to be split. So we're basically going to give him about eight this year. And then we're going to guarantee the other part of that money from the 13 million since next year. And then there'll be more money if he makes a roster. So that's how I've kind of done it. I think that they will go to Casey. I think Harris is locked in. I think he's going to be fine on that, on that contract that he's on. Um, but Linval Joseph and Casey will be the ones that I think that might get restructured. And if I had to put money on one, I think it might be Casey. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Cause I'm right in thinking Chris Harris is a free agent after next year anyway, isn't he? They're all free agents after next year. So Casey, Linvold and Harris, they're all free agents. So you've got to kind of look forward. But also, like we said, we don't want to blow everything up and cause this chaos that yeah. no one knows what they're doing on D. So I think that all three guys, they're so experienced and and they are potentially very, very good players on this team. So it's just obviously getting the best out of them. If we can go back to 2017 Casey, then happy days. But yeah, it's probably not going to be the case. But, but keeping an experienced pro like that around you also want to develop the guys you're going to bring in so if you're going to cut these old guys and bring in rookies you've got to make sure you've got a couple of experienced heads there davis is getting there but i think that davis can be the guy that when casey or harris's contract ends in 2022 he's the guy that takes over with all the rookies so i think that you've got to kind of have that sort of nice little mixing pot where you don't mm. kind of interrupt everything too quickly and too suddenly um and also as well with davis I'll, I'll come back to that as well that i don't know if you heard the um the pff podcast with um staley sherman and collinsworth i staley, haven't no go for really, it really 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 big on derwin james as a db not as a safety so yeah expect that's kind of what you can also hang over davis to just make his contract a little bit lower and say listen if you don't want to, if you don't want to play, pay that, we've got a DB in Derwin here, and there, there, Staley was kind of talking like he's going to do what because Ramsey was moved all over the place last year, and you can kind of do that with Derwin, so you can kind of Absolutely. use Derwin as as a corner as well as a safety. So, in theory, we might have we might have um, Harris, Hayward, and Derwin as another corner. In theory, not all the time, but a little bit. Sure. And you can move Harris outside as well. So there is that potential that you can hold that over Davis and say, listen, we're not going to break the bank for you. We're not, we're not going to, I'm not going to pay you nine, 10 million. 
we're happy to get you in for six or seven for this year, just this year, just because the salary cap is, and then we'll give you more next year. I think because then obviously he can take the money that is then made from Hayward's and Harris's departures. He can get recoup more of his next year. So I think that you might see Davis resign on a smaller money this year to get into next year. Yeah, I'd say good, great analysis again. Um, cool to hear that uh, the head coach is kind of thinking along the lines of something that I've got in preparation uh, for later on down the line in the podcast where I'm going to talk about versatility on the back end a little bit. The other thing going back to Linval Joseph is I don't think you can get rid of him this year because I don't think there's a replacement. Yeah. There isn't one in-house. And to yeah. find someone that, like you say, he did play to a pretty high level. I thought he was one of the bright spots of the defence really like, Yeah, I liked him as well. Uh, I don't think you're going to find someone of that level uh, in a rookie or just bring in another free agent. Like You might as well ride with him for another year, maybe draft someone at the back end of this draft or look at you know, the free agent pool next year or you know making that a priority next year to get a bit of a nose tackle in the first you know, couple of rounds, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I think he's there to stay and I'm very happy to see him. I thought like he was good last year, so happy to keep him. Happy to keep Chris Harris as well because he was playing at a high level before that injury kicked in yeah. and then he was kind of stung with that. Um, but yeah, no, I've we've gone around it in a pretty similar way in terms of free agents, uh, in terms of the cuts and internal free agency with the guys who, well, no, it's not free agency, is it? The guys who aren't free agents but are impending free agents in about 12 yeah. months' time. Mm-hmm. Let's look outside the building the next uh, with external free agents. I know you've got three, so hit us with one or two and then leave me one and then we'll come back to you. Right, so I've um, I looked at a couple of positions, obviously, We've signed Davis up now, so I'm not going to look at the corner market. I did look at Troy Hill, and there is a couple of um, RFAs that I love, but I don't think that you're going to get them through the building because they're restricted free agents, which is Levi Wallace, which I always love. <laughs> you and, mentioned him last um, year. <laughs> JC Jackson, obviously the Patriots guy. I think he's going to get paid from the Patriots. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously Rams is Darius Williams that obviously Staley worked with last year. Um Troy Hill was the only one that's not a restricted free agent. You could kind of get in on maybe a minimum deal if you want to kind of, well, not a minimum, but like 3 million, 4 million if they want to spend that money that way. Uh, but obviously, because you've got Harris there and you can use Derwin there, do we really need an, another sort of nickel slot guy? And I think that in the draft, you can get the nickel slot guys in sort of the third and fourth quite easily. So I didn't want to spend some of my 3, 4 million on Troy Hill and especially at the age 30. So left corner, but... Coming back to your point about D-line, I actually did bring a D-line guy in. Um, and the guy yeah. I brought in is Dalvin Tomlinson from the Giants. So, um, obviously, the big guy from the Giants this year is um, Leonard Williams. They're going to try and recoup him, re-sign him up. He had a great year last year. But Tomlinson didn't go unnoticed in that front. Um, he's, a, he's a big guy, but he does offer the same with the pass, uh, with pass, uh, pass rush. He's not missed a game in his entire career, so you can still, I mean, you you can't ask for any more than reliability to be on the on the field. And he can play all three downs, and you you're not you don't see that very often in the modern NFL that a guy his size can play that many downs. So mm-hmm. I've got him through the building on a three-year, twenty million again at six. So I think that you can get someone in that can kind of take over the mold of Joseph from twenty twenty-two. So obviously getting getting him. Um, in him and Joseph and basically use them either together or you can kind of bring in Jones or Tillery as more of a rush if you want to t- drop one of them out. I think that the legs of Joseph, if you're going to ask him to play nose all year constantly, I don't think we've really got anyone else in the building that can play 
what he can play. No. So I think getting somebody in that's a bit more experienced that can also take over. I mean, he's 27, so it's not like he's an old guy. And I think the Giants won't be able to re- re- keep him in, in-house when they have to play someone like Williams. So I've gone for Dalvin Tomlinson on three years, 20, and, and got him in the building as the potential heir to Linval Joseph. How much does he play in year one, though? Because if, you, if you're bringing him in as a, a replacement for next year... I've, I've got him six million this year. Okay. Do you think he plays a lot of snaps? I think that he, I've got him actually at starting because I watched him quite a lot this year. He played loads of snaps, um, more than I thought he would play. Um, and I think that you can kind of use him on the outside of Joseph because he's more athletic than Joseph. Uh-huh. But later down the line, when it, maybe when his legs go, but he's still got the know-how that he can still offer that big drive because he is a mountain of a man. He's a big dude. And if you're going to play a three front and try and only stop the run with basically three guys, it's hard if you haven't got them guys that can really, really break the run game down. And I think Tomlinson and Joseph together will do the job of four men, basically. So that's <laughs> kind of why I brought him in as an heir apparent to Joseph mm-hmm. but also to establish him in that locker room a year earlier. Okay. Fair enough. Here's with your next one because I've only got one. Um, and then another guy that I brought in um, was, I think the one that everyone thinks is going to happen is <laughs> I've got John Johnson. Yeah, same. He's my one. Um, so I've got John Johnson. Um, as a th- I've got him on three years, 27 million, but it's eight years this year, nine next year and 10 and 23. Okay. So basically on average is about nine, nine and a half million. Um, so I've got him in the build. And I think that I, we talked about it on another pod that they had the stick, they had the, uh, Mike sticker on him last year Staley used him as the communicator of the D mm-hmm. and I think that it just makes so much sense to try and get him back and help with Staley's voice on the field I know that they could probably maybe do that role with Derwin but imagine if you can have a tandem with Johnson and Derwin at, at deep I think it would just yeah. be a heaven so I think that getting him as a defensive guy is probably one of the biggest priorities if I'm honest if, if you look at every all of the other pieces I think that having him there um, and having a tandem with him and Derwin would be absolutely beautiful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was he was the one guy who I almost... I mean, I didn't do my free agent first, but I wanted to bring him in in this exercise because for the exact reason that you mentioned, you know, he's worked with Staley, he's that communicator. And I think it was in a recent interview, Staley said something like the defence wouldn't have worked as well without... Yeah. JJ in the middle or something similar to that. I think he's going to be pounding the table for him. Yeah, and we're looking at, you know, I was going back to earlier on, as I mentioned, Rayshon Jenkins. He's going to want that money. And yeah. if you've got that as your choice, like Rayshon Jenkins bringing back, or a guy who's worked in this defence that we're going to have, who the head coach absolutely loves, there is no choice. Yeah. You just go for JJ yeah. completely. Like, you just go there. You don't even give Rayshon Jenkins, like, a minute's thought, really. Unless someone comes in and blows you out of the water. However, yeah, I do feel like this, the pull of Staley probably gives us a bit of a discount. Yeah. Because he so. knows the system, he knows he can perform in it. And mm-hmm. NFL players love to perform well. Yeah. i got to say, though, before we kind of move on to your next one, uh, if we're going to go for this Texans job, you should be in charge of the purse strings because I'm handing out way more money than you <laughs> this evening. So I've gone, I mean, a similar average, but I've given five years 40. Yeah. Because he's only 25. Yeah, that's that kind of, it's kind of the same money. It is. But I'm, you know, and I've, I've worked out in a bit more of a basic way than you. I've just gone for like an average figure. 
Uh, but I have gone for a longer contract because he's a good age. And if you're thinking positively, you know, Brandon State is going to be the head coach of the Chargers for five plus years. So yeah. having that guy who can implement not only the system, but the culture immediately and be kind of a right-hand man almost to him, even yeah. though he's a new guy, you know, mm-hmm. and then you give that guy a five-year deal, that's like the tone set then, isn't it? Yeah. If he then gravitates towards the likes of doing Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, all the kind of like main dudes for us, then you've got your guy who's got the head coach's ear straight away and can help implement everything in the system. And like you say, be that communicator and the guy with the green dot. Yeah. So no-brainer. No yeah, sorry. If I had to put money on someone getting a bigger deal from externally into the Chargers building, it would be John Johnson. So I can't. I haven't got a problem giving him a five-year deal if that's what Staley wants, then that's what Staley gets, in my opinion. So I think that that's the big. That's the probably the big one. I think that most of the other free agent signers, Telesco, unless he's dead sure about it, I think he's always a bit hesitant to give more than sort of three-year deals. But I think that someone like John Johnson, at a good age, worked with Staley. I think it's kind of a no-brainer for him. So if that kind of has to be done, and he wants a five-year, and you can kind of get him in for the average of the same amount of money. I think that, yeah, yeah, you do it. Yeah, 100%. Um, like you say, I'd be shocked if the Chargers don't pursue him pretty heavily, considering that Brandon Sayers has become the head coach and he's like mentioned in quite a lot of interviews. It's almost like a bit of tampering yeah. in a way. Uh, yeah. Whether it's legal or not, I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, he's certainly sounding out his guy. So I would be um, surprised to see us not go after him, especially with that opening back there with, with Jenkins, obviously. Yeah. Potentially on the way out. Mm-hmm. Who's your, who's your final free agent then that you've picked up? Uh, the final free agent is um, outside linebacker. And mm-hmm. I was basically mulling over. Obviously, there's the big guys that were going to be way too expensive. We're looking at Leonard Floyd. Oh, I did look at Leonard Floyd, but I think he's going to be too much money. Yeah, that's what, that's, that's what I had as well. That's a problem um, I had. But I've kind of got like a mini version. Um, and someone who's I've, I've really liked since he came out um, and join the NFL from Houston. Um, he's been at Baltimore for a while, um, and he can basically rush, he can cover, love his engine, um, and he's kind of, he was like a little bit underdued on, but being in that environment, I think that it's just, it's developed his game, and I just think he's, he'd be a really, really good depth piece and offer you, Staley keeps going on about versatile, 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 versatile. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. And for me, Tyus Bowser, you can kind of get that from him. You, he, he's good. He's really good at cover. Um, and as an outside linebacker, I think everyone's looking at outside linebacker at the moment thinking rush, 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 rush. <laughs> no, not in, a, not in a three, four, it's not. But because obviously you had Leonard Floyd there because Floyd really was, in all intents and purposes, basically he just ru- he rushed mo- more times than not. He didn't cover loads, but it, his majority is, you think of Leonard Floyd, you think, oh, he's, he's a quick dynamic pass rusher. That's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah, yeah. But I think that Staley's going to want to kind of get, if, he, if you're going to get an outside linebacker, if you, you can use Joey, I think that you can move him around. But if you want like an outside linebacker to be a, the old school outside linebacker, we can do a bit of everything. And I think that's what Staley's going to want. So Tyus Bowser are brought in. We haven't really got anyone in the building that kind of does it. Nawusu, you could argue, does. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously if he goes next year and then... We've, you've got a massive hole there if, if Bosa would prefer to be the in-line defensive I think, think Bosa is going to be that Leonard Floyd role, isn't it? I think he's going to be rushing the passer. I think you'd be silly to to take him away from that because that's what he's going to excel at, especially if you know we've talked about it in the past with the new scheme kind of giving him one-on-one matchups 
yeah. more often than not, I think you'd be silly to turn that down and kind of drop into coverage, you know, anything more than you absolutely have to, to be honest with yeah. you. I think he'll play a mixture of Donald and Floyd. I think that they'll, what yes. Staley always so, said, that he wants him to get, to get in, into a matchup where it's Bosa versus someone else. And nine times out of 10, Bosa will win that. It's, why Bosa's not been as productive in sacks, like up there with the 1920s a season, is because he keeps getting double teamed all the time. And we've yeah. never had, we've had Ingram, but Ingram's never been on the field consistently to allow Bosa to be able to have these one-on-ones. And I think that you're going to need to get more rushing guys on, or at least guys that have the capability to rush, to give Bosa these like you said, move Staley to move Bosa around to give him the opportunity to get these sacks totals up. So I've got, come back to Bowser. I've just I've just got him in the building on a depth piece. I've got him on a two-year six. You can probably get him in for three or four this year. And I think that having someone like that that can kind of play outside linebacker, he kind of can play Sam linebacker as well. So you can kind of have him basically moved around a bit. And, and mm. he offers good coverage and he offers... Uh, pretty good pass rush. I just think as, as a developmental guy, see what you've got, kick the tyres on him for two years. Um, him and Nawus, you can battle it out. Whoever Whoever's better can stay on the roster in 2022, 2023. Mm. Yeah, I like it. I like it. it. It's one of those things, isn't it, where you've got to be sensible. You've got to bring in those depth pieces. Um, I've done it a little bit later on when we go through the draft in terms of that. And yeah. I'm also going to talk about versatility as well once his linebacking core, yeah. um, even though we're not keeping Denzel Perryman around. So I think there's still a fair bit there to do that so um yeah so that's the end of then the free agent pools in for in, internal and external so moving forward into the draft um in fact just before we go on to that how much money did that leave you with were you pretty much spent up yeah so i've got about four or five million left okay. obviously draft draft picks etc um but obviously with the casey restructure it probably gave me a little bit more Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I think I've calculated that I've got about six and a half left. So uh, right around what we said we'd leave, really, um, to go into these draft picks. Obviously, this is probably not realistic too much because obviously 13 is probably going to be an offensive lineman. Hopefully, it's an offensive lineman. However, good to kind of sound out some names. Obviously, if all the guys are gone, it might not be wise to have a reach. Maybe we'll look at a trade back, things like that. But either way, what uh, what position have you gone, first and foremost, for 13? <laughs> I've I've zigged when I was zigzagged there. It's like I've looked. I did look. There was only other one other player I was really considering. Like I'm not a huge, I'm not a massive fan of like in theory the edge guys that everyone's kind of touting us with. Um, I looked at like Russo, Phillips, um, and a few other guys. Um, I think Quitty Pay are probably gone. I think Russo may be gone. Um, how it stands. Um, so edge guys I wasn't really too fond of not taking a defensive tackle that high there's no safeties around so kind of left with corner and then weirdly linebacker right okay so the corner I looked at was JC Horn because I think Sertain's gone um, and Caleb Farley at the moment the talk is he's going to be the first one off the board Mm -hmm. so I think them two guys are gone so it was JC Horn but I've kind of not gone JC Horn and I've gone completely the other way. Okay. So this is probably this is probably my guy, to be honest. And I think that he's probably higher than where most people value him. But I think he's not going to get out of the top 15. Um, and I've gone for Xavier Collins from Tulsa. Okay, I can see it. Okay. I absolutely love this guy. Like, I think that people are overthinking like this edge situation with us. And I think that, like I said, with with 
with with Staley, this guy offers so much versatility. It's like it's ridiculous, um, and I think that you can you can use him stand him up as sort of like an inside and also as as a predominantly for me be a pure outside three in the three four and you can use him to rush. But what I like about him is when when um, the defensive front is set for Staley, it kind of looks like this most of the time. It looks like a four. And then with the two guys, and then you've got the five nickel. So obviously it's a three-three base in some respects because obviously mm. nearly all the time he plays with a nickel. So, but when it looks on, when you look at on the TV screen, it looks like a four-two-five. Yeah. So yeah. you can use you can use Collins as basically where Leonard Floyd was. But what I love about Collins is you don't know what he's going to do because. <laughs> Because he's versatile. He can look like he's going to blitz and he can blitz really well. He can rush like a, like a pure outside linebacker. But he's got one of the best coverages skills I've seen from a linebacker for a long time. Like, I think other than Devin White, I haven't seen one in the last five years that I think is as good as him as in the coverage. So for me, it, if you're looking at it to try and disguise defensive schemes and defensive things that you're going to try and want to do, I think you can you need to get a guy that can pretty much do it all and I think that he can I think you can look at him as a outside linebacker and rush so you can have him and Bosa lined up on the same side Mm -hmm. mix it around you can drop him deep and you can line him up so he looks like he's going to rush and then he drops deep and then you can send Murray so you can do so much disguise with someone like Collins because the quarterback's not going to know what he can what he's going to be doing because he's so multi-dimensional you can use him in so many systems Mm -hmm. so I just came back to versatility 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 with it the likelihood is we're going to take an offensive line. So this is completely irrelevant, but for the <laughs> stakes of this, like for me, if there was any defensive player that I'd take, and it's probably high, like maybe that most people aren't seeing him this high, but I think he's a top 15 guy. He's, he's one of the guys that I love in the draft. And I think that if I was picking there and all of, say they drafted loads of offensive lines and every single person that we, we, that, we're, that we've been looking at gone, Xavier Collins is one of the only players that I think that if he's best for me, he's one of the best players available at that position. So that's why I went Xavier and Collins because you can use him in a multitude of ways. You can. Um, I, I think you're spot on in terms of the coverage ability. Um, he's almost like, like you say, he's almost like a defensive back in that sense, but he's built like a linebacker. And, 260. Yeah, exactly. He's not, <laughs> he's not small because when you were kind of building up to you were going to say, I thought you were going to say um, Koromoa, Oh, was yeah. from no name, but he is like he's like safety. Yeah, he's like two ten something like that. Um, and he he's great in coverage as well. But like you say, he's not an edge rusher in that sense that you could get with Zayvon Collins, and he's kind of that versatility piece as you mentioned. Earlier on in the draft cycle, maybe like the back end of last year, we were doing a mock draft over at Full Seven Yards College Football, and I was saying that um, you could look at Micah Parsons as like a hybrid edge linebacker guy. Yeah, and Zayvon Collins to me is exactly the same. He's like a light version of it. Yeah. in terms of like his skill set is pretty much exactly the same, mm-hmm. you know, and to be honest, like he's probably like even better in coverage than Michael Parsons is. Yeah, he is. He's not the edge rusher that he is, but you know, that's because Michael Parsons was an edge rusher before he became a linebacker at Penn State. So yeah, no, I can completely see it in terms of the range. I can see someone falling in love with him and I completely see the fit as well. Obviously, like we say, it's probably not going to happen because we're going to be drafting offensive line at number 13, <laughs> but a lot of the things that, we can say about Zayvon Collins, you could say about Kenneth Murray. Mm. You know, he's not the coverage player that, that the Collins is, but with the versatility that you've got in the first three linebackers that we've got, as in 
Kaiser White, Drew Tranquil, and Murray. Yeah. There's a lovely mixture there yeah. of coverage ability versus blitz ability. You could unleash Murray in the way that we wish that Gus Bradley did last year. Yeah. You know, we can probably count on one hand the amount of times that Murray blitzed. Yeah. And that is what we're hopefully going to see from Brandon Staley's defense in this, this coming season. But yeah. then you've still got, you know, if you have three linebackers on the field, if you have those three, you've still got Tranquil and White who can, who can cover. Yeah. You know, and so I think that, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I can see, completely see your point of view, but I hopefully will. Hope, I think we will hopefully see Murray being used in that way. Flipping over to my pick, then I went with the kind of obvious. I went down the cornerback route, JC Horn at thirteen. I know that what you're saying is correct in terms of Sutain and Farley will probably be gone, but I have JC Horn as my cornerback one, and he can just he's going to fall in that range. So yeah. if you have a a big need, because I do, because obviously I cut Case Hayward. And then you have your cornerback one fall to at 13, then there's no other decision to make for me. Uh, obviously, we're in different scenarios because you kept Case Hayward. So now I've got a cornerback, starting cornerback duo of Michael Davis and JC Horn, which goes back to exactly what I said earlier on about length and speed. And JC Horn obviously gives you physicality as well yeah. because he, <laughs> he's like got that dog mentality, as they say. Um, you know, he's such over six foot, he's a good build, he's very physical, he complain about it man and zone. He's just a perfect NFL modern day corner in terms of the way that you need to play to be a top end guy. You need to be physical at the line. You, you need to have that kind of like dominating mentality. And if anyone's kind of listening to this, hasn't watched JC Horn yet, seek out JC Horn playing against Auburn last year. Um, some people will have heard of the receiver, Seth Williams, who's like Auburn's main guy. JC Horn got two interceptions and absolutely dominated Seth Williams. He's not like the greatest receiver in the world. He's probably going like the mid rounds, but He's Auburn's main guy and he absolutely shut him down for South Carolina in a game that South Carolina probably shouldn't have won and they did. And I believe, if I remember right, he returned one of the, the picks for six as well. Absolute dominating performance. That's what really turned me on to JC Horn, to be honest with you. And the rest of the tape that I watched, you know, I just couldn't get enough. So, uh, yeah, like I say, cornerback one falling to us with a massive need because I've let go of the, the more veteran cornerback. Yeah. And then you're thinking, you know, you've got Davis locked down for, what did I give him, four years. Then you're going to have Horn coming to the end of his rookie deal you can mm-hmm. let Davis go off into the sunset he'll be reaching 30 and then you can have that kind of nice dovetail into the kind of JC Horn getting paid and then we'll probably draft another guy and you can kind of refresh your cornerback room but yeah. hopefully there you've got your cornerback duo for the next four years and all you'll need is someone to replace Harris next year which yeah. I actually get later on but we'll come on to that <laughs> what no, about I'm... oh sorry go on I love it like I did say like it was I nearly took Horn, but I think it was the, I think what happened was I, I kind of done this process after watching that interview with Staley Sherman and Collinsworth. And it, uh-huh. it, it was literally, it was like versatile, versatile, versatile. And I was like, oh, he's going to, he's going to say my man soon. He's going to say Xavier Collins in a minute. If he <laughs> so It was kind of like, and I was, that's kind of what's made me kind of w- w- fell into that taking Collins there. I mean, I don't think he, they will take him. I think the more likelihood is they'll take JC Horn or they'll take, um, or hopefully they'll take the offensive line that we all want. <laughs> yeah. um, but obviously just for the process of trying to mix it up a bit, I thought taking Xavier Collins there for me would be, a, would be a, a nice, a nice pick. Yeah, absolutely. And it'd be fun to watch him in the NFL, wherever he does end up. Um, yeah. I think he'll go towards the end of the first round. I'm, I can see him going there. If someone loves him, you know, in the, in the sort of late teens, something like that. But I think in the twenties is his, is his sweet spot. What about number 47 for yourself in the second round? So at, I've got, I went corner 
um, here. Okay. I'm not, I don't even know if he's going to really be here now. I nearly took a uh, defensive line, which I love, which is Nixon from Iowa. Oh, yeah. I've, I've looked at maybe a couple of links now because obviously we've got North, Northwestern guy, Iowa, Pitt, Tennessee. There's links now with some college, some college ranks that maybe we didn't really have previously. Sure. So, but um, I've gone for Greg Newsom from Northwestern. There's, he's starting to build momentum now, so he might not even be here. But at the moment, process-wise, most mocks I've seen him at 47 pretty more times than none. Yeah. Um, highly productive corner. Um, and what I love about him, he's really good technique, um, good mirroring, um, and he's a willing and able tackler as well, which we kind of missed on the outside. Like, yeah, for sure. We've seen it for years now as Chargers fans, these missed tackles that just bite us um, and they go for 60-yard bombs and things like that. And I think Newsom, he's done a very good job of, protecting his side for a little while now for Northwestern. So I think the links there with the Northwestern staff and, and the need at corner and getting Greg Newsom in would be absolutely beautiful there at 47. Yeah. He's a player I like, I, I think he'll be there at 47 because I think injuries and time on the field have been uh, a bit of a red flag against him. So I feel he'll, he'll be there. If you're looking in that range, you know, you're looking at the sort of end of the first round start of the second round corners. You're looking at like the Georgia guys, Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell, you're probably looking at, yeah, like you say, Newsom, uh, maybe the guy from Kentucky, Kevin Johnson, I believe his name is, if I'm remembering that right, who's kind of yeah. been a bit of a late riser. You know, you're looking at you're looking at these guys, and I think he'll be there. I think he'll be an option in the second. Maybe yeah. more of a realistic option in the second as well, because, you know, as much as we say an offensive line in the first round at 13. Yep. Second round, you know, we're saying that, yeah, we'd like to double down both of us, as we did last week probably. But, you know, corner might be something that they'll look at. So yeah, 100%, it's a, it's a realistic pick for sure. Uh, one that might actually come to fruition as opposed to our first for both of us. Mm-hmm. For myself, I've gone for the edge. So this is where I'm going to try and just bolster the pass rush. Yep. Um, it's a player that I think we've talked about before. And that's Patrick Jones out of yep. Pittsburgh. I just feel like I see a version of Melvin Ingram in him. You yep. can move him around, you can rush him through the middle. He's a high motor guy. He's probably not as big as in like... Uh, like a stick as Melvin Ingram, but he's yeah. taller. And I just feel like there's something that you can work there with with him coming off the edge. And I feel like he probably won't start year one because I'm keeping him Mosa and I'm probably playing him on the opposite side to Bosa, more of like, you know, dropping coverage outside linebacker, traditional kind of fit. Yeah. Patrick Jones will be the backup to Bosa, especially because I'm pushing Rochelle into the defensive line. And I feel like there's a package there where you could get them both on the field or both on the same side and just kind of going off. Um, you know, when you maybe kicking Bosa into the defensive line and having uh, Jones on the outside of him, I just think he can cause havoc. I think he's, like I say, he's got his full effort. He's got some pass rush moves. He's got quite a decent variety. He does need a bit of refinement. Um, quite a lot of the mock, well, the two mock draft simulators that I use, uh, PFN and, and Draft Network, have him, I, this is probably a reach in their eyes, but I really like Patrick Jones. He's my edge number three in this class. So I'm, I'm more than happy to take him in the second round. Um, and like I say, just kind of almost replace Melvin Ingram in that way. Yeah. Not the versatility that Melvin Ingram brings, you know, where he's playing like middle linebacker sometimes and things like that and dropping uh, deep in like a Tampa 2 defense kind of thing. But, you know, in a pass rush sense, I think you can get a uh, kind of a, I don't want to say like a pound shot Melvin Ingram because that's really disrespectful, but I feel like you can build on his skill set and he can maybe, his ceiling is Melvin Ingram at some point. Yeah, love it. 
yeah absolutely love it we've uh, we've mentioned about edge i think like you said pat it, at the moment if you like you said you go on a few of the mocks patrick jones is kind of going in that two three range i personally think and i think yeah. that's the sweet spot i think is going to be the early third late second for him um i think that there's going to be it's a weird one with edges uh, i listened to dan jeremiah recently mm. and he says it's literally a mixed bag you speak to any personnel across any of these nfl franchises and they've got someone who rates someone at edge one is edge eight somewhere else like there's a yeah. real the real randomness about it it's probably because they all offer something different they're not kind of just like where you see certain edge guys that this one is a real real mixed bag with the edge and i just think that there's there's so many potential uh, falling spots for him being in the late first him being in the late second him being in late third with so many guys that you're going to see a, a, a real variety but coming back to um jones is obviously that pit link as well will be is it will be yeah, pretty Chris cool. wide receiver yeah. guys come over he's going to know a little bit about him they're going to get a little bit more in, intel on him so i think that again going towards that sort of style where you can get some sort of familiarity with everything i think that it, it could be a possibility that they do take him. Yeah, get your guy. I mean, like I say, I, I think going off the the big boards of these two websites that I've been using, but it's a bit of a reach, but he's one of my guys, so I'm going to go and get him. I think yeah. you're right as well about the edge class. I think it's not the greatest edge class, plus the kind of haziness comes from the fact that because there's been no crowds, there's been no scouts, it's been done on a ballot yeah. for a lot of the games, if not every game. So yeah. some of the scouts haven't had exposure to these guys very much. So it's meaning that you are going to see a bit of variation. Yeah. Um, I've certainly got some some guys in my edge rankings that are way lower than the consensus. Mm-hmm. Um, Quitty Pay is one. Carlos Basham is another. And I've probably got some guys who are a bit higher, like Patrick Jones, that you know maybe the consensus are a bit lower on. So it's, it's all part of the, the, the fun of evaluation. But I feel like you are going to see that this year because of yeah. the, the fact that these guys haven't been exposed to these players for, for as, as much as they would have been in a normal season. Yeah, and you're not obviously the combine would have is it this week or next week it would have been it would so, have been yeah yeah so like they haven't got they haven't really had time to see all these guys together and and sort of see them in in sort of the same way so and obviously with some of them opting out some of them not playing some of them only playing three games some of them playing ten it's just such a it's just such a strange season to try and evaluate some of these guys so you've kind of you've kind of been hearing as well with the trade market that people are wanting. 2022 picks more than 2021 because they haven't really they they haven't had time to really evaluate these guys properly because there's just nothing there's nothing on them this year there's hardly any tape there's hardly any interviews you can't get a feel with the guy in the room because they haven't been able to do face-to-face interviews so yeah. you will get a lot of that this year like you said you'll have an up and down board yeah 100 percent. it's it's going to be a funny old draft season because there is going to be so much variety and you're going to see some shocks on draft weekend i'm sure I'll, I'll go next. Um, I've picked up at 77 another corner, so I've doubled down um, again. And this is where I'm going to get my Chris Harris replacement. Chris Harris is going to be my start. I don't, don't, you know, don't make any bones about that. But obviously, with him only being around for probably another year, you know, I'm probably not even going to renew him, even if he has a great season because of his age. So I've gone to Washington. I've taken Elijah Molden, uh, the corner. He's a pure slot guy. He's about 5'10". Tackles really well, does his job really well, operates in zones uh, really, really nicely. And he's just a really high-level player, and he also has some safety versatility as well. Again, going back to that versatility that we've got there. Um, 
he probably won't play a bunch this year because I'm going to groom him to be my slot corner next year. You know, if we're getting multi-DB systems out there and schemes and, and alignments out there, he'll come on for those. You know, he'll, he'll spell Harris every now and then, you know, come in for any injuries. But I like to have that depth. That's something that the Chargers really lacked last year, something that we kind of fell down on. You know, if Chris Harris gets another year, uh, another injury, sorry, I've got my guy in the building already. I like it. I like it, Mold. Like he, is a, he is a slot guy, but like you said, he's going to be the replacement for Harris. I think that would be perfect. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. I'm, I'm drafting him to be a slot guy. I'm not drafting him to be anything that he's, you know, he's not, to be honest with you, because I've got my outside guy. I've signed Davis. I've got Molden. I've got Harris. I've got four corners. I've also re-signed Siobhan Campbell as my fifth guy. Yeah. I also wanted to kind of bring up at this point, because I have got one, one, been wanting to talk about this versatility on the back end. I feel like Adderley is going to play a bit of corner this year as well coming up because mm-hmm. he's got the length and the speed to do it. He's not been fantastic at safety so far, albeit, you know, rookie season was a write-off. Last year was pretty much his rookie season. I think he's going to get some snaps, you know, but if you go look in there, if we go after John Johnson and we've got Derwin James, they're going to be two starting safeties. But, you know, we're going to move James around, aren't we? So he's going to be dropping deep sometimes. James is going to be going into corner sometimes. Adderley's also able to cover both. So I feel like you've got a group of DBs there that can all do it all. And I brought back Jane Watkins as well, who can also play a bit of safety and corner. Pretty much everyone on my roster, apart yep. from Davis and Horn, can play any spot, pretty much. Yep. So first of all, you're covering yourself for injuries. You've got loads of depth. And like you said before, you're looking at the our defence from the quarterback's eyes of the opposition and they don't know who's coming, they don't know who's doing what, because James could be outside, James could be blitzing, Murray the same. You know, you've got a load of DBs who can all be in different spots, you can move them around and get the best matchup out of them. Yeah. And then that can support, obviously, the front seven and the pass rush as well. So, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in terms of versatility. I've got six corners there, including Adley in that group, and four safeties, and I'm really happy with my groups that I've filled out. Um, yeah. My next pick isn't in the in the defensive backs uh, room. So, um, but yeah, I just thought with those ten guys that I've got, I'm I'm pretty pretty solid both in my starting lineup and all the way through. I'm loads of versatility as well. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I really like it. Um, going back to, I mean, with my pick seventy seven, I've gone corner as well. Like I, you mentioned the name earlier, actually, weirdly, but in a lot in some mocks, he's gone as high as early second. And then if you go on like draft tech and you go on water or Walter football and stuff like that is stocks going a bit lower because there's other names coming up. Like you said, you've mentioned the Kentucky guy. He's now gaining ground because um, I can't, um, Todd McShay, uh, Mel Kuyper, sorry, has put him in his top 25 or something as players. You've got Greg Newsom's building ground. Now Campbell's Campbell's got ground. Uh, Asante Sandra jr's got a bit more ground. Now they're all gaining Aaron Robinson, he's been been putting some round one mocks. So there's a lot of corners that I think are pushing up and there's other corners that are dropping down. Mm-hmm. So for me, and I, I still think he might be there because you've got like Keith Taylor with obviously his length, he'll he'll be probably Had a great senior ball as well. Um, but I've gone for Eric Stokes. I think that he might be there at the top of the third, end of the second. It might be a push, but there's always a couple of guys that drop. And just for the sake of this, of hope that he would be there. So <laughs> basically I've gone Eric Stokes, Georgia. I think there'd be a nice, I mean, that draft tech at the moment, have got him pick 117 and Walt football have got him top of the third round in their, in their mock. So 
I've got him. I mean, the Georgia guy, I think Campbell's definitely going earlier. I think he's the more complete one, but I think Stokes is raw. And I think you can maybe develop him into the guy. And obviously having Harris and Haywood in the building, I've kind of used him as, as a project for me. Mm. So, I, I mean, I love his length. I love his le- use of leverage as well. He kind of perimeters the guys on the outside. So, um, and he's really, really physical guy as well with great ball skills. So, I mean, I think that that would be another another really good pick there for at 77. Yeah, definitely. I mean, these George guys, they do split opinion because I've seen them flipped around. I've seen them both in the second round. I've seen them both sort of end of the first. They really do split <laughs> a lot of opinion. I personally, have, I've gone the same way that you went. I personally like Tyson Campbell a little bit more. I love his frame. He's much taller. Uh, and everyone wants that kind of huge corner nowadays, you know, at six foot two. Uh, like I say, uh, Stokes is still a good player, though. I like him, um, and he's got a lot to offer. I'm not 100% sure he'll be there at the third, but, you know, it's our podcast, and we can do what, do what we want, really. <laughs> yeah. um, is there anyone... I've got a couple of guys that I kind of did consider for this pick as well that I wanted to bring up. Is there anyone else that you kind of considered going for at this point, or was it kind of you locked in on Eric Stokes? Um, well, you know that I love Chris Rump from Duke. So, yeah. for me, that's not really a high pick. Um, I, I mean, at the moment, I'm seeing him like fourth, fifth round. I think it's crazy talk. Um, I, <laughs> People just, are scared of that that light body. That is, that's the only. Obviously, that's the big knock on him. I think is just how light he is. Like, but for me, you, as a bend guy, like, I think that you can use him. He's going to be a situational pass rush. He's not going to be on the field all the time. You're probably going to get thirty percent snaps out of him. But you can develop him. So there's also the potential there to try and develop develop the guy as well so for me i think that if you're just going to try and get an out and out someone to basically put pressure and try and contain him from the edges i think chris rump would be another person that i'd look at 77 Mm. yeah we spoke about him off uh, the pod haven't we about him he's a player that i like actually but his role is going to be questionable because he's not going to fit every scheme because of his, his size yeah. I mean, I do think he'll fit this scheme because he can be an off-ball uh, linebacker slash, you know, pass rusher. Yeah. Because um, he's got a safety body type, hasn't he? Actually, reminds yeah. me a lot of of uh, I can't remember who I was equating him to. Never mind. Um, yeah. I was making a comparison the other day. But yeah, I, I like him as a player. I just I, he's one of those players. I've been saying this about a few players recently in the draft process. I want to see him in the NFL, and I want to see him do well. I'm just yeah. not sure I want the Chargers to draft him because I'm not yeah. sure I want it, you know, yeah. to potentially blow up in the face. Mm-hmm. I do think he'll be there at the start of day three, though, so I don't think he'd come into the range of what we're picking yeah. in the first three rounds, in the first top 100. I but, took Collins as well, so I, that's why I didn't go down the rump route because I'm sure. Took- yeah, of course. Yeah, because yeah. you're just doubling down on something that you don't need, I guess, aren't you? Yeah. Um, but no, it's a player I like, for sure. Um, just on the Elijah Molden slot corner thing, I also considered Sean Wade. From Ohio State, yeah, not the greatest of seasons. Fan of him, Lee. Am I a fan of him? Yeah, I, d- I said I didn't think you were a fan of him. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> not in the first, but in yeah. the in the second, third round, I could I could deal with it. Yeah. When he was getting um, talk of you know first round, and some people still talking about his first round, and he's still winning like people's awards on like I don't know like the Fox like best college team of this year and things like that. It's not, a, I don't know how, you know, it's scouting the helmet and he's not had a good year. And that's because he went to play outside corner and he can't do it. Mm-hmm. He got burned far too many times, especially in the college football playoffs. And 
he really shouldn't want to be an outside corner in the NFL because I don't think he can do it. He's going to come against bigger, stronger, faster receivers than he's come up against college. And he's not going to have a good time. And I just feel like with Sean Wade, it's one of those things where just do what you're good at. Don't try and step outside your box. There's no shame in just being a corner that can play just the slot or nickel. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's no shame in it. You know, you won't get paid as much money and you won't get like, you know, the accolades and things like that of outside guys. But also if you try and do something that you're not going to be, uh, sorry, that you're not suited to, you're going to be out of the league in three, four years. Yeah. So what, what would you rather be? Would you rather have a 10 year career where, you know, maybe you're just the third guy on the, on the roster in terms of corners and you're playing a high level or do you want to be flaming out of the league in a couple of years? You know, it's, it's a pretty simple decision. But pick 77, you know, third round, happy to take Sean Wade to just be a slot. Yeah. I went for Molden because I do think he might be a bit damaged by that. He's got some building of his reputation to do. Yeah. But I think it could be a really good value pick in that range. That's why I only considered him. I do think Molden's a more solid player. And I think Molden will outperform his draft position, whereas Sean Wade may not, even if he's drafted at 77. Yeah, I think with Wade, I think it's going to come down to where he lands. I think that if he can find the right spot um, and get into a locker room that will en enhance everything good about him, like you said, he's a bit damaged goods at the moment. He can't. He was touted as one of the best coverage guys in like two years ago, and it's kind of just completely fallen off a cliff for him. Um, which I do feel for the lad, really. Um, but I think that if he can find the like the right locker room um, and sort of get that momentum kind of kind of like what Tyron Matthew did to be honest like when he he kind of got in there with Arizona and they kind of nurtured him and he's become the superstar he is today I think that could happen with Wade in some respects so you could see you won't see it straight away but I think that you could see someone that's actually around for a very long time and actually mm. is a very good pick as a third round pick if he finds the right landing spot yeah I think that's it as it's absolutely key um, to the landing spot and who, you know, the system they're going to play and things like that. It's going to be interesting to see where he does land. Probably another player that I would say that I don't really want the Chargers to get him, but if he does, then, you know, just play him where he's good. Yeah. Another player that I consider, I do want to move on, I'm, I'm only going to mention this very briefly, is Hamza Nasiruddin from FSU. Yeah. Do you remember when we were talking last year, last year when we were talking about Isaiah Simmons? I mean, I'm not going to equate them, the, the two of them because they're not yeah. really similar. But yep. they're kind of these positional, positionless safeties that can play as a linebacker. Yeah. And we were saying, oh, well, wouldn't, what would be better than having one do and James and having two do and James is... <laughs> I thought that that might give us that. But then again, I signed John Johnson and I'm already dropping Adley into corner. I thought there's not really too much in terms of uh, snaps to go around in my backfield now. I really like the 10 that I've got in terms of that. But another player that I consider just that versatility, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Um, and more, more of like a linebacker and a safety rather than a safety and a corner. Yeah. Number, well, the, the fourth pick at 97. Who have you gone for? Um, again, I've gone to with the links again with Northwestern um, and Iowa and Pitt. And you mentioned Jones earlier from Pitt. I've actually gone interior. So I've gone Jalen Twyman. I really like him. Mm -hmm. um, interior guy. Um, might not be there, might be there. We don't know. There's a lot of D tackles there again that I think the D tackle class is actually not a bad little class and I think that you not you haven't got like elite pass rushes there but I think that you've got potential um through a, quite a lot of these guys especially maybe five or six have definitely got potential to be good at D tackles in this league um and I'll, I really like Jalen um Twyman I think 
He's his I love his motor um, production as a rusher as well, um, and he's got a really high ceiling. Um, it's just consistency for him. I think that he can drop off and on, off and on and off and on. But if you can get it right, he could be that sort of Michael Brockers for me um, and offer that sort of potential um, that obviously Staley looks for on that on that D line. So obviously for me, he'd be, I think he'd be a developmental guy. But obviously if you've got, at the moment I've looked at it with contracts as well. So if you've got Joseph going out the building, you've probably got Jones going out the building maybe. Tillery could be on his last year if they don't do the, the fifth-year option. You, and are you using Bosa inside or using him outside? So because obviously the Bosa's a question mark, you've kind of at the moment really got Joseph, Jones and Tillery. If Joseph goes after next year and Jones goes after next year, you've got a huge hole at DT. So mm. I got Tomlinson in and I've also got Twyman in. And you can just best man wins if he comes, if he comes through. I, I think that you've got huge potential there with Twyman. So that's why I took him at 97. Yeah, he's a, he's a player that uh, started right at the top of everyone's boards, really. But because he opted out, everyone's kind of jumped ahead of him in the queue, really. Loads of people have jumped ahead of him, yeah. Um, like I say, it's not it's not the greatest D uh, line class, especially on the interior. But he's a player, obviously from Pitt. Like we say, we've got that connection, and also a player that's kind of been loosely related to Aaron Donald in some way. You know, it's the same what, number. Warriors number went to the same university. Pretty similar bills, similar and position. Ninety seven. <laughs> yeah yeah it's a nice little parallel um so obviously a player that obviously Brendan Staley has, has coached Aaron Donald I mean not not Twyman obviously and obviously you know if you can create that even if he's like half the player you know you're gonna have a productive defensive tackle in that system so yeah I can see it I, I like it um in terms of like the fit and the the player as well um so for my final pick I've also kind of stayed in the front of the defense and because I've not re-signed anyone to play edge because I'm now kicking uh, Rochelle into my defensive line and Square probably isn't an outside linebacker in this either, I kind of need to pick someone up in that outside linebacker kind of mould, really, to kind of back up and mow through. Mm-hmm. And I went for Malcolm Kuntz out of Buffalo. Okay, He's a player that I, I was watching a lot of edge guys recently and I'd watched a lot of guys that I was a bit like nonplussed with and then I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's try this guy out of Buffalo. So I slipped on the, the film and I was really, really impressed. Um, he probably, for this system, he's probably not the greatest fit because he is a bit more of a pass rusher than an outside linebacker. There was a lot of outside linebacker guys in the range that I thought I could have got that I'd kind of been watching recently as well. Uh, John Smith out of UAB was, was one in particular. And they're a bit more of this traditional, they're three, four outside linebacker. But one thing that I really like Koontz for is... Considering that he's a group of five player, so he's not playing at the highest level of college football, he's playing for Buffalo yeah. uh, in, in the MAC. His technical refinement with his hand placement and his counters and his uh, array of pass rush moves is really, really developed. So even if you don't have him playing that sort of Umosu backup, which Emiko they could probably do, mm-hmm. and potentially Drew Tranquil could probably do in a pinch, you could groom him to be a backup to Bosa. Because Bosa is that technical edge rusher as well. They don't rely on athleticism, although Bosa is more athletic. But Bosa has never been a pure speed guy, obviously. He's a very technical pass rusher. And I yeah. feel like you could create Koontz to be that sort of player as well. And I thought, I really want this guy in the building because you don't get that sort of technical refinement. I mean, we've been talking about a few edge guys at the, at the front of the queue. Like, you know, when we picked him, uh, we're looking at pick 13. 
And almost none of them have this level of technical refinement in the way that they go about things. Mm-hmm. And I think all the other stuff you can kind of you can kind of work on. But whether people actually get that technical technical element of pass rushing is a completely different ball game. And if you've got that already, you're already ahead of the game. You know, yeah. you'll beat out. Um, you know, if all, if this defensive front is all about getting one on one matchups, you know, you could you could definitely get him some production off the edge. I feel. So he's a bit of a sleeper of mine. He's a definite one of, as we say, my guys kind of thing. But yeah, Malcolm Kuntz was my uh, third pick at 97. Probably a touch early, probably around early. But again, kind of going up and getting my guys, which I've done pretty much all the way through this draft on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, cool. I, like you said, I haven't, I've done anything about that guy. So I'm going to have to do some research on him. After, I'll take the name off you after the pod. Um, but yes, like you said, technique-wise... It's, it's a shame that now we haven't got the combine because if you can kind of compare him to guys with similar athleticism and you've seen tape on him with good technique, it's a very good sleeper to have. Like you said, it's just it's just you're going to have to really look out to see what the pro day numbers are for Buffalo to see who compares with a similar sort of athleticism mm. as him. Because if he's got that as well, but it's you can't because the thing is, obviously, because he's playing a lower standard, you can't compare it against anyone that's like the big guys. So obviously being at the combine does help mm. But if you, if you can find out all the, all the pro day numbers and you can kind of get an inkling, this guy's really good technique wise, then like you said, you could have a gem on your hands. Yeah, absolutely. I've just pulled up my edge rankings and he's sandwiched in between Quitty Pie and Joseph Asai, who are getting, you know, talked about a lot more. Yeah. And there's, getting there's, talked to us. Talk about like mid to late firsts. Yeah, I mean, I've got them all in the third round, but he's sandwiched in between those guys, which is, yeah. it says a lot, I think, especially considering that he is coming from the level that he is. And yeah. I don't get me wrong, he's not unathletic. He just doesn't rely on it. Yeah. Which, you know, you get a lot of guys who do rely on it. Mm-hmm. Quitty Pie, I think he's one of them, by the way. But yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, if you don't get that technical refinement, and I think one of the problems with Quitty Pie, this is kind of getting off on a bit of a tangent, why I have him rated so low in comparison to the, the consensus is if he comes up against an athletic tackle who can match his athleticism, he doesn't have anything else he can go to. Yeah. Whereas you get that with Kuntz where he does have that uh, technical refinement, as I say, mixed with a bit of athleticism and a super hot motor, he's going to win in different ways, which gives him a better grade in, for me anyway. Whereas you're having a bit of a flat track bully in Quickie Pie who just kind of beats people with his athleticism. And if you're coming up against, I know this is kind of top echelon tackles, but one thing, one uh, game that I watched of Pi in college was him against Iowa, where he came up against Tristan Wirfs. Obviously, we know how athletic Tristan Wirfs is. I just feel like you can negate that with super athletic tackles and everyone wants these guys. I think it could be a problem for Pi. And that's why I've yeah. got him a bit lower, but that's kind of by the by. Um, so yeah, that wraps up our, our draft. Kind of, again, went around in a bit of a different way. Kind of, I've doubled down, well, time double doubled down. With a couple of edge guys and a couple of corners, yeah. Where would where else would you be looking um, for the kind of rest of the draft? What positions would you be looking to fill out? Um, well, what's what's your if you had to put your base base, base defense base, base starting defense, defense. Who you've got as their backups? Because obviously it's real. That's the real interesting thing about this this side of the ball is this. It's kind of open to sort of scenarios because we haven't seen it and we don't. We can only go it off. We're trying to put our players that we've got the Chargers now into a Rams D run by Staley and then try and put in the players that are, oh, yeah, he's like him and he's like him, so on and so on. Oh, and mm-hmm. he plays that base and he plays nickel a lot, so there's going to be five. So how did you sort of 
who's your starters if you're going to set it out? So my, how, what, what was your formation? Because obviously, like, I know it's a 3-4 base, but the majority of the time, in theory, it's a 3-3-5 or a 4-2-5 if you're looking at it on TV. Yeah, no, you're completely right. So the way that I've kind of laid it out, that I've just realised I've actually got 12 guys in this song, I have to change this <laughs> straight away. Um, so I've laid it out with a basic front of, in fact, that's what I'll do. I'll take him out. And okay. So I don't know if this will be the case because I've had to make this change at last minute, but I'm going to play a, a three down linemen of Joseph in the middle at zero or one tech. And then you got flanked with Tillery and then Bosa is going to be a bit wider. And then my linebackers would be Umwosu, Murray, and Tranquil. Yep. With three corners, Davis, Horn, and Harris with James and Johnson. Pretty standard on the back end, considering what I've drafted and who I kept and things like that and yep. free agency. Yep. Uh, I don't know how that would work. So obviously, you've got both then on the defensive line. I know that Staley said that he's going to be standing up a lot of the time. But I feel like you can get that pass rush from Murray as well, as I mentioned before. Yeah. I think Tranquil's the the main linebacker, if we can say that now. I think he's not really going to come off the field a great deal. Yeah. But also, you could take him off, drop James down into linebacker. I don't know if that's going to be something to explore. Because obviously, I feel like James is going to be this movable piece, isn't he? Where he's going to drop yeah. up at corner, he's going to pop up at linebacker, he's going to pop up in the box, he's going to be deep, he's yeah. going to be shadowing Travis Kelsey. He's yeah. going to be kind of doing a bit of everything with John Johnson if we get him and we you know, we hope he, we, he does come through the door kind of thing, but yeah. he's going to be kind of the uh, the guy who just doesn't move. He's going to be the same all the, all the way through, whereas James is going to be all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I've got it as with, with the, the free agents that I've picked up. I've got uh, Joseph at nose. I've got Tomlinson um, at D-tackle and I've got Bosa as the sort of edge D-tackle. So I've got him in a similar role that you have. Okay. And then I've obviously got Tillery coming in for Bosa. I've got Jones coming in for Joseph and I've got Twyman coming in for Tomlinson. Um, and then I've got Collins, who I obviously drafted as my outside linebacker with Tranquil at Sam and Murray at Will. And then I've got Nwusu, Bowser and White that can all interlink within them positions as well. So I've got a lot of variety and versatility at linebacker. And then I've got Harris at nickel. I've got Newsom, Davis at uh, um, as my starting corners and I've got Hayward as my coming in sort of if you're going to put more defensive backs on the field mm-hmm. and then I've got obviously Johnson um, and Derwin as my safety so in theory it would be Tomlinson, Joseph, Bosa then another three of Collins, Tranquil and Murray and then your five guys as Harris, Newsom, um, Davis, um, Johnson, Johnson James. Derwin as your two deep guys yeah but obviously Derwin, I think Derwin and Johnson, they're going to be back and forth, back and forth. Like you said, they, there's so much versatility with the linebackers and the safeties that it could be a real, real fun experience to watch these guys play. Yeah, definitely. And just kind of, I didn't actually give my depth, did I? But yeah, my backup to Joseph would be uh, Cortez Broughton. Uh, Justin Jones would spell Tillery with uh, probably Patrick Jones backing up uh, Mosu. Mm-hmm. as kind of like the outside linebacker and then Bosa would be backed up by Rochelle on the defensive line or he could switch to be in most of his position so you could kind of move him around a little bit to be a bit of a stand-up guy linebacker-wise uh, White would come in um, and then I'd probably you know if it's a 
sub package or some description, you probably lose a linebacker anyway and bring yeah. in a safety. So yeah. probably not going to back up two linebackers, probably just white white's my first reserve kind of thing. Yeah. Uh corner wise, I'm probably not going to take Davis or Horn off the field. Molden coming for Harris. Adderley would be my fourth corner. Campbell would be my kind of backup. If you're shadowing James would play corner, you know, if you if you're kind of moving him around to shadow like say Travis Kelsey or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to match him up against another one of the top end uh, corners in the division. Um, and then you've got John Johnson, who probably won't move, probably will never come off the field unless he's injured. Uh, Adley would play in centre, uh, sorry, centre field in the safety if you were playing a, a deep man, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of cover three with James moving around, probably. Because I know that Staley's defence co- uh, plays a lot of cover two, so you're having James and Johnson quite deep. But if you kind of move into cover three, you could put Adley deep because he's got more range, move John, uh, James into the box and remain, keep Johnson in his kind of other safety position. So again, loads of versatility on the back end, pretty much as I was saying earlier on. Yeah, love it. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about wasn't last year about versatility and kind of moving people around and having a multiple defence. And it sounds like Staley's on our side with that one as well. Yeah, on board. So yeah, no, another uh, good episode in, uh, but whether any of this will come to fruition, we'll see in the next few months. Um, but yeah, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us the last couple of weeks. They've been really enjoyable from my point of view, and I'm sure Ash, you feel exactly the same way. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, like I say, um, we'll see what happens over the next few months, um, and we'll see if any of this actually comes to fruition. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.